1: Hi, I'm Zach Glazer.
2: And I'm Stephanie Everett, and this is episode 391 of the Lawyer's Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Zach is talking with Stephen Glazer about succession planning for your small law firm.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Law LawPay, and MyCase. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned, and we'll tell you more about them later on.
2: So Zach, it's a special week here in the United yeah. States we celebrate Father's Day. And this is going to be our Father's Day special episode because today you're interviewing your dad.
1: I know it's not just a coincidence that we have the (laughs) the same last name. So happy Father's Day to everybody out there, whether you're celebrating, you know, or, or not, I guess, but you know, whether you're in the United States or wherever, but
2: yeah, I don't, I mean, is that an international thing? I said that because i it is, feels like a Hallmark uh, created thing in the U.S.
1: It does. I mean, like, it's obviously important to to celebrate the the people that are important <laughs> in your life. But I think that globally we do that on different days.
2: Right. right. So,
1: yeah. Just maybe listen to this on your, your own country's Father's Day. There um, you go. And that'll be how we do it.
2: And tell us what that is. We could start giving yeah. all the dads shout outs.
3: Yeah, we'd love to hear that.
2: But in the same vein, like, it is cool to have your dad on the show. And, and I've talked about my dad before. A lot of our team members actually have fathers who are business owners. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not a coincidence that we are now have that entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit. And so I thought it might be cool for us to kind of share our favorite stories about our the lessons we learned from our dads around business ownership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's great. And yeah, I I do. When I think of my dad and one of the things that he gave me is that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurial spirit. He did not give me the ability to say that word, (laughs) That's um, right. but you know, the business owner spirit.
2: Yeah. And so when I think about that from my dad, he, he was a car dealer before he retired. And I remember a distinct time in high school, he got recruited to come in and take over a different dealership in town. So, I mean, he was at the, you know, mm. Pontiac and Nissan Cadillac dealership, and then he had to move over to Ford. And I remember there was a lot of anxiety in the company about him coming in. Like, who is this new guy taking over? Mm-hmm. And is he going to be highfalutin? And is he going to, you know, what, who is this guy? And the boss before him, the, the company had been struggling, and the mm-hmm. boss before him had taken away everyone's vacation and taken like mm. taken away things because, because the company was struggling uh-huh. to try to, you know, to try to get, I guess, profits back up.
1: Yeah. That's certainly tempting to do. And, you know, at any time when company's struggling.
2: Right. So I remember when my dad started, he was very intentional He catered a steak and potato lunch for everyone at the dealership. So every mechanic, Mm. every salesperson, everyone in the back office was invited to come to this lunch and he just shook their hands and he introduced themselves and he's just like, I'm one of you. They, I remember they were like, oh, do you want to get the, you know, whatever your demo is going to be this, you know, he was like, I just want the basic F-150. Like, give me the truck Mm. that the, you know, that the every guy, everyday guy drives. Right. And same for me. Like I got a car too and Sky was 16. So I got, (laughs) you know, I just remember I got got an escort and, and he wanted to come in and show them like, we're part of you. We're going to be part Mm -hmm. of the team. And he gave their, their, their benefits back and, mm. and they turned the company around very quickly and it was, mm-hmm. it was very successful. And that, that lesson and that story has just always stayed with me about how important it is that you treat your team well.
1: Right. Well, it, it's your team, yeah, not your workers, yeah. you know, and, you know, that's, that's interesting. It's striking because again, like I said, it is tempting when times are bad to make cuts across the board or, or try to, you know, tighten the belt everywhere. But, you know, sometimes it, it's better to make sure that you treat your employees well and and they will turn things around for you. You know, it, it is, it's really difficult to get loyalty, but when you get it, it is extremely special at a company, at a firm, at an office.
2: For sure. And his team, he sold his company a couple of years ago, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: he had such loyal employees. In fact, the guy who took it over from him and runs it now was my high school classmate and started washing cars for him. When we were in high school, oh, his wow. af- his after school job was to, like wash cars. and he used to, like, f- fill up the gas. and, you know, and now <laughs> he's been with him his whole career. and now he runs the business. And so, it's true and you get that loyalty and his team was loyal. But I'd love to hear like what what's your favorite business lesson from your dad?
1: Yeah, so dad, you know, I I think our our dad's probably had a lot of them as we were going around, but I I was lucky enough I practiced with my father for a, a number of years. Got out of law school and and went and joined his practice. And so we had a lot of time together sitting at one of those, you know, partners' desks where you're facing each other and I kept getting bigger screens so I didn't have to to, you know, <laughs> to look at him no um but so we we had a lot of time together and so we had a lot of little maxims and things but I think the one that really strikes me the most is that in business in life but in business certainly especially when you're dealing with clients you can recover from anything but dishonesty
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: so clients will forgive you for losing a case. They will forgive you for messing up a file. They will forgive you for them, you know, losing money, but they will not forgive you for lying to them and for dishonesty.
2: Yeah. That resonates. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think I, honestly, I think that kind of goes with our what do lawyers really get in trouble for in ethics? You know, we get in trouble for messing with people's money and and not communicating or lying to clients.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All good business lessons. I mean, we could probably do an entire show of just we us could. talking about all the things that that our fathers have taught us. And I'm just so fortunate and grateful for my dad, quite frankly. I don't mm-hmm. know if I, I tell him that enough. So I'll have to send him this episode, make sure he, he hears it. That'd
1: be
4: nice. That'd be nice.
2: All right. So now let, let's have your conversation with your dad.
4: Yeah. Sounds good. Hi, I'm Steve Glazer i'm an attorney in memphis tennessee i've been practicing since 1987 i have my own practice uh it's a creditor's rights practice that uh covers the entire state of tennessee all 96 counties and so uh i'm here to talk to zach about that i guess
1: <laughs> pops thanks for being with me i uh, thanks this, this thanks is for a, having me man. honestly it's a treat for me for me too So it, it's very cool but just for everyone uh This is my father, Steve. He is the reason I got into being an attorney. And frankly, he's the reason I got into into legal tech as well, was practicing with him. When I got out of law school, I came and started practicing in your your practice that you already had, the creditors' rights. And you've been doing that since, I think, 2003?
4: No, since about 2000, I think.
1: Okay, okay.
4: And you dragged me kicking and screaming into the 21st century.
1: And I'm still doing that to people. Yeah, still, um, still trying to do that to people.
4: Well, I found it to be a tremendous asset. Yeah, I did. I wouldn't have known about it without you, and it was uh, turned out to be what a, a tremendous asset. you went paperless before anybody else did. We certainly have uh, the software that we need to be successful in our practice. You've brought us through all that. Uh, we use less people and more technology now, mm-hmm. and and that makes us more efficient. So.
1: Well, and I think that plays into, you know, today we're talking about succession planning. And okay, first thing, I think I was your succession
4: planning in, yes. in, in some you ways. You were my succession plan. No, but I, well, and you were kind of the outside succession plan. Yeah. If you wanted it, it was there. Right. And, and I did what I wanted to do and you're doing what you want to do. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know, you raise your children to, to be independent and then you have to let them be independent.
1: Yeah, you raise them to be independent, you tell them they have to go to law school, and then you, you tell and then
4: them they don't go. Yeah, then and so, they don't then go they go on their own terms.
1: Yeah. And then, then you tell them that they can be independent and do do whatever you want in law. You know, that's a, a in a, my a, office. Yeah, in my in my office. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you were starting out, and I think I was five when you started out. Okay. What did you think about succession planning? Were you thinking about succession planning? No.
4: If you, When you were five, I was just starting law school or I was in law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah. You were, no, I graduated in 87. You were born in 82. So you're right. Mm-hmm. I graduated. The last thing on my mind was succession planning. I didn't even know what kind of lawyer I wanted to be at that point. I did some criminal defense law. I was an assistant public defender for a number of years, mm-hmm. but finally kind of to gravitated toward. <clears throat> The creditor's rights milieu and uh, started with a desk, a computer and a chair. And that was it. And then just started oh, doing local collections for landlords and doctors and veterinarians and and any other kind of creditor car lots. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of grew. And as we grew, we attracted bigger clients and we attracted folks that needed help in other counties and other areas around the state. And that enabled us to uh, to build a, a cadre of people who are working with us throughout the state of Tennessee. It's a big state. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, they tell me it's closer from Johnson City, Tennessee, up in East Tennessee, Canada, than it is from Johnson City to Memphis.
1: <laughs> I think you're right,
4: and I think it is too as a bird as a crow flies. I think you can kind of
1: yeah. I, I think my you're... point is,
4: it's a big state. And you need help, yeah. and so we've over the years been able to develop that help. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of almost exacerbates the succession problem, right, because now you've got this organization. what do you do with
1: it yeah i I think that's that's the question to me because I remember growing up, you essentially saying, you know a lawyer's practice is really only as valuable as as them without yeah. them practicing, and I know that that's A lot of the prevailing wisdom now, Uh, it certainly was prevailing wisdom, you know, when I was younger. Um,
4: But collections is a little different. Right. We have a business that is worked around the law. We actually have assets. Mm -hmm. I have accounts receivable. I have millions of dollars of accounts receivable. Mm -hmm. Now, some of it is collectible and some of it isn't. Right. But most other law practices, they conclude their business, get paid and move on. Right. So there's no residual account receivable. Right so in that way in succession planning i actually have something to pass on
1: to pass on to to sell to to, to sell, actually right. say and i think i think you hit the nail on the head there like what is the thing in a practice of value that can be that can be purchased and i don't i think the key with the creditors rights stuff with with your practice is that it is run like a business and it does have assets that add value to anybody if they were in there. If anybody was in your seat, they would have this value around them. And I think you can do that in a lot of different ways, but specifically creditor's rights. I mean, not only do you have the accounts receivable of of the collections, but you also have earned attorney fees that exist. They haven't been collected yet, but they exist. So you have something that is, I am quote unquote, owed this from the client. And so as in a lot of places, the value of the the firm stays with the person because the client will only stay with the person. The client is, is allowed to leave anytime they want. And that's how it should be.
4: Well, and they can leave my practice too. Right. They just can't leave the accounts they've already given me. Right. But we have a contract and I've done my part of it. And now I, I expect them to do their part, which is allow me to collect it. Right. Which is really nothing. They're not doing anything. They're actually going to make money right? You know, from my, my efforts, which is fine. Um, uh, you know, I tell them when I'm selling it to them that they don't, I don't make money unless they make money,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know,
4: that's what it's all about. I'm there to help collect for them so that I can get a portion of that. Right. And I've always said, I'd rather have a, a dollar from a million people than a million dollars from one person, because then you're relying on that one person yeah. and you don't want that. So you want to, you want to get out there and have a regular recurring source of income that will generate, uh, enough to, you know, run your law office. Mm-hmm. Pay your bills and that kind of
1: stuff. So. You know, I I think that's that's another thing is like you have these amassed accounts receivable in, in in this area, and then we have
4: infrastructure as well. that's right. of, of value.
1: Right. You have infrastructure. You have clients that are already there that are already coming into you that are used to the way that you do things. Are used to and your are happy with the process. Right, and so when you you're not selling a person you're not selling the name steve glazer you're selling the processes right you know
4: right we're, we're selling our method of doing this and of course it's not any different than a lot of other people but certainly we hope we have our little spin on it mm-hmm. and that uh we tend to be a kinder gentler firm right. And we realize that people who are in a situation where they are being sued for a debt are in a difficult spot right that's probably one of the lower points in their life and they don't need somebody to give them a hard time. They need somebody to help them out of this. Mm-hmm. And so we can go in and even though we're adversaries, mm-hmm. we can help them get out from under whatever this burden is. Right. And by doing that, it helps me because we collect money. It helps them because then they're not pursued or hounded or they're not worried mm-hmm. and it helps my client because then we get some money for them. Right. So I've seen some collectors that try to be mean and force people into doing things and that works. Uh, initially, but doesn't work in the long run, and I, on top of that, it's just not the person I am. I think you gotta, you gotta be true to yourself.
1: Well, I mean, you you certainly always told me that is you you have to to be the attorney that that you are. You know, you can't be right. something. That's how you get. I don't want to say in trouble, but that's how you get. You do bad work, frankly, when, when you when you try to be someone you aren't. Well, so kind of going with that, you've got your own style, your your own way of doing this. That makes me think about when you're choosing who this practice goes to, you had the ability and have the ability to say, okay, I want my clients to go here because you still have the, I'd say obligation to kind of shepherd your clients appropriately.
4: I'll have a relationship with those people. Right. And, and I plan on kind of hanging around to help for a little while to help that transition. But you're right. I want to find somebody who kind of has the same philosophy I do, will treat my clients with the respect that I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we've interviewed several people for this. I mean, we've talked to several people about taking it over and, uh, I think we've, we've landed on somebody that we like Mm -hmm. and that will do a good job and it will, uh, hopefully provide a lean income for us and and for me in the future.
1: Right. I guess that's the other thing, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about succession planning and we didn't get to this at, at the beginning. We're talking about succession planning because you're, that's on your mind right now. Right. you're you're I'm trying to retire yeah tr- trying to retire and, and it's it's tough to get an attorney to retire you know you've always told me that you'll practice until you you know can't go up the, the courthouse steps anymore
4: that's probably true <laughs> but I'm getting there <laughs>
1: yes but technology is actually starting to help you because now you you practice until you can't turn on zoom
4: true <laughs> and uh yeah and i found elevators now in all the courthouses so that's good yeah yeah so yeah yeah they, they, the staircases are getting steeper. I don't think it's me. I think it's them. Yes,
1: yes. They're they're changing it up. Somebody comes in there every yes. Sunday and, and, and it, makes makes it makes it a little steeper, just a little bit, just a little yep, bit.
4: Yeah, yep. well, yeah. I still plan on doing some legal work. I'm just not going to have my office open. Right. I'm going to do uh, appearance work for other for other attorneys. Mm-hmm. And that's strictly on a piecemeal basis, so that I'm paid as I do it.
1: Right. Well, it, then you don't have to run. You know the the business side right. of because that's that's essentially what you've been doing.
4: That's the time-consuming part. That's right. exactly right. You right. know, when when I first started out, we didn't have special software. I had to kind of cobble together a couple of things. I had to get one software for the, the uh, operations of the business, and then another software for the financial aspects.
1: These kids out there
4: don't know how good they have it. Yeah, they they've
1: that's got true. they got CRMs and LPMS software that works together. Yeah,
4: whatever that is. um They don't realize. See, here's the bad part. When I started out, we were still using carbon paper. Now it wasn't long, but we still used carbon paper for deeds and things like that to make sure they were identical. But uh, yeah. you know, obviously, we went into computers very quickly. And I was when I started my my own law office, I had a computer. But hmm. when I, in 1987, no, we still had carbon paper. Right. But anyway. I've always had computers and you've always been able to update me and keep me uh, relevant. But uh, you know, that it, it's not, it's not just a law practice and they don't teach you in law school how to run a business. Right. Nobody teaches you that. You have to kind of figure it out as you go. And uh, I guess that's been my forte my whole life. Nobody's really told me how to do anything. I've just kind of stumbled through it and, and, and tried to come out on the other end. And that's why, you know, like we talked earlier about being yourself, mm-hmm. also being honest. Yeah. And if I and I that helps me because as I'm stumbling and somebody says, oh, you screwed this up, and I go, Yep, I did. <laughs> and so you go in, you fix it. Whereas if you're trying to be a uh silk uh, stocking lawyer and you don't want to admit that you're uh you've made a mistake, you're gonna go in there and try to obfuscate. And, or you may I hope you don't, but right, you may, right. but that's just not my way of doing things. So I've tried to be honest in my successes and my failures and moved forward and learn from each one of them and, and tried to build a practice. And I feel like I have.
1: Mm-hmm. The Lawyer's Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash Lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh live virtual receptionist services. That's posh.com forward slash Lawyerist. And from LawPay, the gold standard in payments for the legal industry. For more than 15 years, our partners at LawPay have been helping lawyers get paid faster. In fact, 62% of bills sent via LawPay are paid the same day. To learn how you can enjoy faster and more reliable payments, schedule your demo at lawpay.com forward slash lawyerist. And from my case, Tired of wasting time on administrative tasks? Want to bill more hours, get paid faster, and ensure the success of your team? With MyCase Law Practice Management software, your firm will have access to all the tools needed to run more efficiently. Digitize your client intake, manage documents in one place, and track every billable hour so you can focus on what matters most to your firm. MyCase is an affordable, all-in-one solution that gets your business up and running quickly. Hundreds of lawyers have rated MyCase the number one legal case management software. After making the switch to MyCase, one law firm saved over 100 hours per month, time that would have otherwise been spent on tedious administrative tasks. It's time to choose a case management software that works for you. If you're looking to supercharge the growth of your firm, go to mycase.com forward slash lawyerist and sign up for a free trial. Right now, Lawyerist listeners get three months at no cost on a new annual plan. Offer cannot be combined with other discounts. Visit mycase.com forward slash lawyerist to get started. Well, you know, kind of going back to what you, were, what you were saying and I so rudely interrupted, when you started and you started this, I know when I got into your collections practice, you had Computers, obviously, but you had Sage Act, and it's, it's actually Act because it's got an exclamation point at the end.
4: It does. And I always wondered what that was about. It was a command almost.
1: Yeah. It, it was Client Relationship Manager, and nobody was really doing law practice management. So, people were building their own bespoke ones and, and whatnot,
4: but you well, had. That was to... the thing about this one is that you had to kind of build it yourself, it was right. a platform but you had to build everything out. You had to build your own letters, your own databases, your own everything. And, uh, you know, once you had it set up, it was great. Mm-hmm. But then you, then you had the financial software was totally separate. Right. And then, so you had invoices in one and invoices in the other, and they had to match. And at the end of the day, you had to write reports for both systems and bring them together and make sure that they did match. Mm-hmm. And we, we were able to do that, you know, but it was uh, time consuming and uh, oftentimes difficult to make, you know, you, you make a small mistake in one place and it, it amplifies in another. So
1: Right. But that, you know, that, that did two things in my mind. One is it allowed you to take on a larger client base. You were able to yes. serve more clients because, you know, if you don't have to do the math by hand and the stuff's already there, then you can serve more clients. Right. The other is that although you're the people that have worked for you have always been great people and your positions are almost fungible. You can, you can teach somebody how to do one of the positions because you have processes right. in place. And I, I remember coming in and I, I, when I was in college, worked at, you, at your office right. and you, right. you were able to just kind of get me up and running and plug me into to positions without any knowledge because you had three ring binders of here's how we do it. Here's our processes.
4: Well, and you had to figure it out along the way in order to, uh, to have uh, folks be consistent. And like you said, we've been through several people in our office and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to lose your uh, continuity. Right. And so I was able to do that with the people we had. And uh, like you said, write it down as you go.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I remember uh, with some of the people that, that we've had, I remember many of them, they were writing it down as we'd go. You know, you you say, you say Hey, you're the one that's doing this right i need you to document it but having that documentation meant that i could jump in and with with right. no knowledge and do what they were doing and although yes that is extremely beneficial for running the practice day to day it also then creates this process this thing this machine that you can sell
4: right yes but now you know now with the with uh, the software we have now that incorporates both the uh, financial and the administrative aspects of the, of the
3: mm-hmm.
4: practice in one that, that's it's a lot easier to deal with a lot easier to bring people on mm-hmm. a, lot easier, a lot easier to uh at the end of the day a lot easier to figure out what you made and how much you had you know your profit and loss and your where you are these things and it incorporates the uh the uh, calendar as well so
1: yeah well I, and i think that's a good point is you know I remember we went from, you know, we went from ACT to something that was that was online to on-premises software that, that you have now. And every step, the reports got better. Right. The ability to say, how efficient are we? How good are we? But not only internally, which again, that, those are good business processes to have to be running your reports to say, you know, are, are we doing well in this area of the practice? Are we doing well in this area of the practice? But then when you go to to look at, succession you got to look at selling or, or passing this on you can say this is what we do this is how we yeah. do this is this is how well it's done this is this is what we can expect based on history to potentially make you know we could even get down to what was the percentage of collections that we had on this type of work
4: right so you know, if you got a million dollars worth of accounts receivable and you can collect 20 percent of that well that's you know that's not bad
1: that's it's real money at least yeah, to me.
4: So Mailing well, and we can collect sixty percent of it, that's really mailing. Mm-hmm. but because um, I think we figured out that we had about eight million dollars in the collectible and outstanding collections.
1: Right, right, and we were able to run that report and, and right. actually say, "Here it is." So
4: we got to figure out what the percentage we collect is. Yeah, and so once we've you know that that then quantifies your your existence. I guess I hate to say that, but it does.
1: You know that that's that's the thing is it it. I think a lot of attorneys look at businessifying you know, their their practice and it feels at the very least not fun. It doesn't feel like practicing law.
4: The, the business aspect is not the fun part. Right. That's not why I get into this.
1: Right, right. And I, and I think that that's the case for a lot of people. But at the same time, if you want the freedom of practicing for yourself, then yes. you have to be able to do these things and you have to be able to run a business.
4: Yeah, even if it wasn't a collections business, even if it was just a regular general practice, right. you'd still be running a business. So oh, yeah,
1: if you're doing divorces, you still have to yeah. figure out how to...
4: Your software would be different, but still have to have it.
1: And you know, the, the difference I find or I see a lot of times between what I practice, which was creditors' rights and, and what a lot of other people practice, is that my intake was a lot different because we had 18 clients that were sending a lot of cases and we just had to keep 18 people happy, you know, and we had to be very, very hands-on with them. Whereas if you're doing divorces or you're doing DUIs or you're doing bankruptcy or something like that, you need to do a lot of inbound marketing.
3: Yes. But
1: that has its value.
4: But you generally you don't have the recurring business that you do in collections. Right. Well,
1: it's certainly not that you do in, in collections, you but, but the yeah, <laughs> hopefully people aren't coming back again and again. But at the same time, if you can set up a system that does good intake you can automate your intake using certain software or you have been able to run reports on you know wh- where do you send your marketing to in order to increase your ROI then that even is something that you can sell that's an asset in itself is that if you have a really good funnel you know that has value to somebody that can just jump in there because it's all about the processes
4: sure well and that's assuming that they they understand that so right. yeah you're right the business funnel is all about i guess is but again that is a relatively recent yes phenomenon and on my radar yeah. over the last let's say six eight years mm-hmm. that marketing has really come into its forefront and, and prior to that you just kind of stayed within the industry mm-hmm. and you and you went to different places and talked to people about hey you talked to collection agencies you talked to large companies that needed something and you didn't really just market in general, and now I think you have with the internet and with the advent of uh, all the uh, marketing strategies, mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to really uh, expand your footprint. Right, right. Well, it,
1: and I, I remember growing up seeing lawyer ads on TV, and you know back back then, thirty years ago, we we really scoffed at that, and we yes. we scoffed at at lawyers that had to advertise couldn't have been good lawyers.
4: That's how we felt. I mean, it, right. to be and, honest. And now you have to, if you're doing any kind of personal injury, if you don't advertise yourself.
1: Right. There there's just no way to I mean, in my opinion, there's there's very little potential of, of doing that. You have to right. get your name out there. Now there are attorneys that that work on word of mouth perfectly, you know. Yes. But but you have to be doing some sort of marketing, even if it's going to the Rotary Club.
3: Right. Right.
4: Yeah. And now are yeah. But getting your name out there somewhere. And then If you're going to do it on your own, you're also going to have to be a little more diverse. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to take a lot more different type cases. Uh, You can't just specialize. I don't think in, um, you know, criminal defense may be the exception to that because there's a lot of crime. But even so, there's a few people in the criminal defense market that can make a great living Mm -hmm. and everybody else just gets by. Whereas in collections, I think there's potential for a lot of people to make to do well. And then it's not, you're not fighting against your, your uh, fellow attorneys. You're actually, there's enough there for everybody.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there are a couple of, of areas of law that people have found that have, have been that way. I I know uh, immigration is one that seems like you can, you know, you can really set up a system and get a lot of, I don't want to say recurring, but get a good funnel and and run it like a business. Same thing. Like bankruptcy. Like bankruptcy, estate planning practices like that that you really can set up your processes solidify a, a business around those processes run it appropriately and I, honestly i mean like i obviously i'm going to plug the, the book here R- run it you know in a way that that is uh with the small firm roadmap you I mean, like right. look, look at our book right you know you can see how to how to do that but you can do it whatever way you want but the key is having a business instead of just having a practice yeah,
4: and you have to hire good people mm, mm-hmm. you have to have good people in support otherwise you're sunk right i was very fortunate to be able to find good people as we went along mm-hmm. and uh, you know, make great relationships with those folks but also that they weren't necessarily legal-minded when they came in they were more um so i got to mold them right and actually the people with several people in the office went on through and got their paralegal degree
1: a few have gone through and gotten their law degree
4: that's true i forgot about
3: that you're right It's
1: me and others yes, um, at, at all yeah that's that's the thing is like previously you and i have actually been connected with and and dealt with a couple of a kind of unfortunate succession planning like an unplanned succession where we we took on some cases from a from an yes. attorney who who passed away passed away yes. and we wouldn't have been able to do it. We, even though he had good software, we would not have been able to do it if we hadn't taken on his one of his assistants or right. his paralegals also, because all the processes were in her head.
4: And we were fortunate enough to be able to quantify that, get mm-hmm. that out of her head, and put it on paper where everybody could do it. Right. And she was being she was able to train us. We were able to train her
3: because mm-hmm.
4: she was doing segregation work mm-hmm. as opposed to just pure collections. And so we weren't as familiar with that and it worked out well. It was an educating process for me and it was one for her as well. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it worked out pretty well. And she taught the rest of the people in the office yeah. and it kind of, you know, really expanded our practice tremendously.
1: Yeah, it, it did. But that practice in and of itself, even though it was the same type of practice that, that we were running at the time, because it didn't have the processes, you know, you had to have a person there. And that's, that's one of the things right. that you have to, I think we are getting away from in law now is it has classically been all the processes were in one like the office manager's head or the head paralegal's head or or somebody's mind you know we we don't put it on right. paper and i think a lot of that comes from the fact that us as attorneys are thinking about these things on the fly and so we think well i, I can't put that on paper i have to, i just have to figure it out you know it's 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 just a decision tree most of the time you know
4: well one of the things that we did when you came on was we Started writing down our product, our procedures, and our philosophy. We did a mm-hmm. uh, handbook, yeah, an employees' handbook, and that forced us—or forced me—to sit down and say, "Okay, what is this process? What are we doing? What is our mission statement? What mm-hmm. is our? Oh, so how are we going to get there? What can we offer? What do we offer employees? What do we offer customers?" right and that really helped quantify things tremendously for me
1: right well, and then who yeah, who is the customer we're we're looking at I think that's one of the reasons that I personally was drawn to to lawyerist is because the you know because of being taught to do that type of thing we we encourage people to write down their values you know to right. to write down what is your goal you know and, and I know that we we may not have written down values, big header, and then one, two, three, four, no, five. No, we wrote down we mission did. statement. Right. But we wrote down our values. We, we right. knew why we were doing these things. We knew where we were going and what we wanted to do with it. And I think that's, that's important. But that's, again, running
3: business.
4: Well, and here's one of the things you touched on, and I want to make sure that, it, that we talk about it. You should run the law office the way you are. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. In other words, like you said, who are you and who do you want to be? And what kind of lawyer do you want to be? Mm -hmm. And then run your law office, then run your business. To me, I don't want to take a business and say, well, I've got to be a hard, hard ankle here uh, uh, and and difficult with people. I Mm -hmm. can't do that. Right. Back many, 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 many moons ago, I was a cop and we would do good cop, bad cop, and I could never be bad cop. (laughs) I just can't. It's not me.
3: It wasn't
1: going to work.
4: No. And so the same thing here, I'm not going to be a, Kick butt lawyer. I'm going to be a let's figure this out lawyer.
3: Right now, yeah.
4: I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a kick butt lawyer because when right. you need one, nothing else will do. Right, but that isn't key. Yeah. And so, if it, anything, that was what you know when succession planning. You're looking for someone who shares that.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think
4: because you don't want them. tremendous change.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a change for your clients. It's a change for right. for everything, and and you kind of need those those values.
4: And I think the clients kind of like the fact that we're kinder, Jim, because, of course, especially small businesses, they don't necessarily lose a patient or a client. <laughs> you know, we've had Christmas cards from people we've collected from thanking us. Right. Well, and, so, and,
1: you know, you're you're a chiropractor in you know, rural Tennessee. You, you, you don't and you're trying to collect money and it's just that somebody didn't get their insurance to pay for it. You want somebody to say hi this is the end of the line, not, Hey, I'm going to take your house from you, you right. know, because you want that person to come back to you.
4: <laughs> well, you want to say, this is the end of the line. How can we make this work for you? Right. What does your budget look like? What is your situation in particular? How can we get this off your back? Cause you want it off your back and we want it off your back. Mm-hmm. And the only way we win is if you, you know, you, you pay it off and you're happy, you pay it off and I'm happy. You pay it off and my client's happy. Mm-hmm. So we should all work to be happy. right? And so. That, it's, that's who I am, but you should open your office and you should have the theme of your office and your mission statement, be consistent with who you are and your personality and how you operate as, a, as an individual.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'll, I'll add to that, that you have been able to do that. You have been able to run practices for, you know, my, my lifetime, but basically, um, operating that way. Saying this is how I want to operate. This is this is the reason I want to run a law practice. I remember part of it was that you wanted to make sure you could come to our games. Yes. You you've coached me my entire life. And that, you know, I, I always put that in the in the category of values for for well, your law firm. You have to decide
4: why are you practicing law. Right. Um, I wasn't trying to get on the Supreme Court. I wasn't trying to, you know, create any kind of precedent. I was trying to represent people, mm-hmm. average people who are. Uh, who needed help, and I wanted to make a living at it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, you know, you can work for somebody else, and then you're stuck doing their bidding at their time. Mm-hmm. Or you can work for yourself, and you and you do what you got to do. Right. And I always, I don't work and play well with others. <laughs> I f- I tend to see things my way and try to do things my way. And some people appreciate it, and some people don't. Right. And I, I realized early on that if I was going to be successful and practice all the way I wanted to, I had to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I'd work for other people. And like I said, I'm assistant public defender. I worked in a collection firm and, and you know, I had success there, but I also was stifled there. Right. And so this was the way to make me set my own agenda, both professionally and, and personally.
1: Yeah. Well, and you're, you're, again, you're kind of still able to do that here with the succession planning. You're able to choose who you want to, right. to deal with these things because you've, you've operated in, in that way.
4: I'm gonna handle, I wish I had planned it earlier.
1: Well, that, that's what I was going to ask. If you would do anything else differently, wh- what would you have done differently?
4: I, I'd probably have tried to solidify the, the business a little bit more, uh, make it where it is more of a, um, an entity that can be sold. Now, just kind of putting things back together mm-hmm. financially and, and, and administratively. But uh, I think I probably would have, you know, it's it's the old seven habits of highly effective people. The first habit is start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that. I didn't have the end in mind when I started. And that would be the only thing I might nuance. I would have had some more nuance to my development of uh, the business in order to make it more desirable, maybe. Uh, I probably would have brought on somebody other than you. But <laughs> who, no, who, <laughs> wouldn't,
1: who wouldn't have? Yeah. Oh, no, no,
4: no, no, <laughs> I didn't want anybody other than you. And and that's and that was it. I I wanted to go forward in case you wanted and mm-hmm. and when you found your niche, then that was my cue to try to find a way to, to transition this out. So mm-hmm. and we're both happy.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, Absolutely. Well, Dad, I I Obviously, could keep talking to you for, for a while. Is that more
4: than you ever wanted? To know? I mean, is that what you want to know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I think okay. that, you got everything. That is all I've ever wanted to know from you.
4: Well, that's all you get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're dead to me. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm not answering your calls anymore.
4: No more. That's it. I'm ghosting you from now on.
1: Well, well, Dad. Uh, New phone. Who it is? Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's this? Well, thanks for being with me i i really oh, appreciate it i really appreciate talking. i'd rather be with you. with
4: you than with the finest people in the world
1: you couldn't be with the finest people in the world
4: that's my point but i'd rather be with you than with them
1: <laughs> thank you thank you all right all right, right pops. thank all you right, very Bubba, much
4: we'll talk to you soon i love you all right let me do that Bye.
0: the Lawyerist podcast is edited by Brittany felix are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice wondering what to do next here are your first two steps First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10-minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.